I just want to remind you of a, a scripture I feel like is very much a part of what God is saying to us this summer, and it's Psalms 27, 13. And David wrote, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Lord, we just come to you today, Lord, and God, in the brief moments that we're together, we just acknowledge your Holy Spirit, Lord. I pray that you would move in such a way on every heart here, Lord Jesus, that they would not miss what you're trying to say to them. I pray for the activity of your Holy Spirit that speaks to our heart. I just pray you'd awaken our heart today. I pray if there's people here who are not used to hearing you in their spirit, in their heart, that you, they would hear you today and that you would just awaken their spirit inside, Lord, to connect and respond to you. I just thank you in Jesus' name. My title of my message today is God Changes Our Name. The name, you know, names are in pretty incredible. The Webster says a name is a word or words by which an entity is designated. A reputation, a renown, named, naming to give a name to, to call by name of, to a point. And God is the author and designer of names. Names identify what something is, Adam named all the animals. In Genesis 2, 19 and 20, the Bible says that out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air. And he brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. Of the field. It's be, that was before Adam and Eve had brought the whole world into sin. There was a prophetic impartation that Adam had on him to impart not only the name, but when he said the name, there was an impartation of everything that that animal represented in. The whole person and personality of that animal was in that name that came over that animal. It was an identification of what that animal was. And there's a story about Sarah and Abraham, or Abram and Sarai, that God used. And I hope you can grasp the story today. It's probably a story many of us have heard, but how God did a name change on them. And it, and it totally identifies with every one of us in Christ how there's a name change that happens. Even though when you accept Christ, you may have the same name, there's something profound that happens in your spirit inside that awakens a new destiny and the new creation begins inside of us there's something that goes on so profound that begins this transformation of which was even referred to today we can't always identify what god's doing but the moment we ask jesus christ to come into our life the moment we realize hey i'm born in this world apart from god dead spiritually and i have done things i didn't want to do and I want to be forgiven. When we ask Jesus Christ to come into our heart, we accept him going to the cross for our sins. And the Bible talks about us being born again. And there's this new destiny. There's this new name that comes upon us. A whole new character change happens. But it happens deep in our spirit. And it begins to, to change us. Sometimes we accept the Lord and we feel like, ah, nothing happens. And then years later, all of a sudden, we're drawn back and God begins to do a work that he started when we accepted him. <clears throat> 
excuse me, in Genesis 17, verses 15 and 16, God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, she shall not, you shall not call her Sarai anymore, but Sarah shall be her name, and I will bless her and also give you a son by her. When I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of all nations, kings and peoples shall come and be from her. That name change was an identity. There was an establishment. Already Abram and Sarai knew that they were barren. And God began to give them promises. God began to kind of initiate something inside them of which they were powerless to make come to pass. They were barren. They had no ability to produce a child. And again, God seems like, it would almost seem like God keeps teasing them in this process of their life. But just like when we accept Christ, there there's becomes an identity change in us. That began to happen because God had called Abraham in Genesis 12 and he had responded to God, and God began to do this work of transformation in him. And out of that relationship with Abraham, God was doing an cre- incredible work of bringing transformation into his life. And it's interesting that God leaves us sometimes in this place, whether it's stuff from our past or something we're going through or relationships that makes us feel yucky and stuck. But that is something that God uses to show this transformation that begins to take place as we're walking with him. An identity change, especially because of Adam being marred by sin and that decision him and Eve made to listen to Satan. The name change is spiritual transformation initiated by God. Just like Dory said, you know, we don't maybe choose to get saved, but all of a sudden God begins to draw us. And we even can be fighting with it because apart from God, we have our own will, our own desires, and our own ambitions. And yet when God begins to reveal himself, our spirit is awakened and, and we feel this tug of war begin to happen. And, and Bible talks about Roman, in Romans, Paul talks about how when we come to Christ, there's a new war that comes on. Our spirit that wants to respond and go with God, and yet our old nature and the old ways we thought begins to wrestle with this, this new thing that's happening and this new identity that God wants to take over in our life. Time is part of the transformation process. Even as we're waiting to see what God has promised he will do and the frustration we have in this natural world and this natural life to want to see what God has promised, to want to see all the good things that God is doing, we're, we're stuck in this time slot. And Dean is always reminding us in Bible study that God, uh, even though we're in time here, time is not, God is not limited by time. He lives outside of time, and yet uh, we live inside this thing. Inside this thing, where there's time slots and periods and years. Sarai and Abram were chosen as a couple to bring about the Jewish race. Name change accommodates the capacity to be fruitful. It brings change into our lives, where the God factor brings a new fruitfulness to us. In a little um, Kingdom Dynamics in my Bible, it says that Sarai's name meant princess. When God changed Sarai's name to Sarah, he named her the princess or queen. And Sarah, we're glad you're here today. Linking her in co-rulership with her husband Abram, Abraham, to formerly, who formerly was Abram. And those of you who are married and go through the struggles of identifying and 
you know, being apart from your husband, there is this co-rulership in the Christian marriage that helps you rise together and be more effectual for the kingdom of God. And women, God raised women to a higher level through Jesus Christ. Today in our society, we see a movement of women trying to raise themselves up, up, but really, no woman can raise herself up like Jesus raised women up when he equalized them by salvation in his blood. Genesis 15, 4 and 5. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, to Abram, saying, This one, Abraham's servant, slave, Eliezer, shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward the heaven, and count the stars if you can, and you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. It almost seems like a tease that God's doing to Abraham. You might think, like, you're God, you're all-powerful. Why don't you just make the children happen? Why don't you just make them fruitful? And why do, what are you doing? I believe it's this process that we go through that helps us build our faith. That our soul, our mind, will, and emotions that are conditioned by life, our experiences, and the things that have been inputted into our life is the thing that takes a process to change. And God's always working with us, so he doesn't rush it. He allows us to feel his presence and to grow spiritually, but he also works on our thinking processes and he works on our emotions so, that they, so they can catch up and respond and understand what this new creation is going on inside of our heart. Waiting for the fullness of of your name. I know all of us, when we accept Christ, most of us experience these ecstatic seasons of like, wow, it's euphoric. It's like, what is this? It's almost like you feel like, I'm, I'm never going to have another problem in my life. It's those moments like the honeymoon where God just so solidifies you in this new love relationship that you are so aware in your natural life, in your natural mind, that this something profound has happened. Well, as we all know, just like in marriage, the honeymoon wears off and you start getting to know each other. God starts dealing with our old nature and starts refining and changing us by the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us as we've, we've committed to him and we're starting to learn how to walk with him. So in Genesis 15.1, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham or to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abraham or Abram. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. It's interesting. While he's waiting for the promise, God's saying, forget the promise. Forget that you're going to get pregnant. You and Sarai are going to have a, a, a child. I am your great reward. And a lot of times we get so caught up in the promises of God or wanting to get to this place with God or, uh, or have God use us that we, we forget that the journey is part of the process and God is our great reward. The moment you feel God begin to draw you and the moment you say yes to Jesus, you have arrived. And Jesus is your great reward. God, having God restored in your, in your life, having him be your father and recognize him as your father and having him work and renew all you understand about fathers and mothers and relationships, that begins that process. And you can always call out to him no matter where you're at, no matter how frustrated you are in your relationships or in your life with problems. He is the one you can call on. He's the one you can bring into your reality and, and find that he's the answer. God is our consolation while we wait for transformation. The manifestation of the new person God is making us to be. Abram and Abraham. 
Abraham represented his old sin nature. Abraham was the promise of the new nature that God was giving him by faith, that God extended him. God had a faith that he extended. God had a, a grace that he extended to Abraham to be a new man, to be a new person, to walk with God, to be different from his whole family. God selected him in Genesis 12 and, and de declared, you know, I'm going to be your God, and through you, I'm going to create this whole nation of people. But again, with the seal of an impossibility on him, how can he have a child? He, him and Sarah were barren. So in Genesis 17, 1-6, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. It is interesting that God uses impossible situ situations in our life to do the impossible. It's interesting that he leaves us sometimes in those situations for long period of, periods of times so that we can realize that he is Almighty God. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his faith, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make your nations of you and kings shall come from you. Is there something that has limited you? Is there something that has happened in your past or in your life that has sought to define you and limit you and encapsulate you and keep you in bondage? God is saying, I'm going to break you out of all those boxes. I'm going to break you out of everything that has limited you. I'm doing a name change in you. I'm doing a transformation in your life that's going to be very profound in giving you the life that I have for you. It's almost like God expands our life. He expands our potential. He expands our giftings because they come into our spirit and they come from a different place. They don't come from our own reasoning, our own desires, our own stimulation. They come by the spirit of God to our human spirit, that which is residing inside of us, that which gives us life because it's from God. The Holy Spirit comes today to those who receive to, to receive him and are willing to leave their past and its identification. Another footnote on Genesis 17:5. Name changes correspond to either character change or a major call from God. Abraham's name is changed from exalted father to father of a multitude. It's interesting that God has to change us because our potential is totally blown up through being with him. And it's interesting that Abraham starts getting dealt with at 75, and now he's 99, and he hasn't seen the promise, and yet God is now telling him it's time for a name change. And it's interesting and for us to really grab hold of, it doesn't matter how old we are. God's not limited by our age. And he's not limited to do something big in our life just because we've learned and, and lived a certain amount of time on this earth. In Genesis 18.10, And he, the Lord, said to Abraham, 
I will certainly return to you according to this time of life, and behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. God makes covenants. You know, we make contracts in our lives to try to establish some kind of uh, guarantee with someone that we're going into business with or doing something with. And we hope when they sign a contract or we sign a contract that the other party is going to maintain what they've said. And probably most of us have experienced some kind of uh, go, someone going back on something they've, they've signed with us. But God makes covenants. A covenant is a covenant is a compact, a pledge, a treaty, and an agreement. A covenant is God's irrevocable pledge. God made a covenant to Abram and to his descendants forever. God will never go back on his covenant. Even though we sin and we fall short, God doesn't go back on a covenant that we go into with him. You may think like, man, I, I accepted Jesus, and man, I'm not doing that great. I tell you, God honors that decision you made, and it is the Holy Spirit that will take you through whatever discouragement or even backsliding that you're going through because he made a covenant to you, because he honored your word when you surrendered to him, and he's vowing to keep working with you to transform your life. God's covenant was also so he could reveal himself to Jesus and then the Gentile world. The promise came to Abraham, but it was also going to be fulfilled by Jesus coming through the Jewish line and that bringing salvation to both Jew and Gentile. In Genesis 17, 7, the Lord said, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants. That promise came over 2,000 years before Jesus came through that promise. Again, we can't break God's covenant with us, but we can refuse it. We can ignore God's covenant, by, and we can also um, forget or not understand that there's benefits in having that covenant relationship with God. God signed his covenant in Genesis 17, 9 through 11. And God said to Abraham, as for you and your, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin and it, circumcision, shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. How were the Jews and us to keep God's covenant? By simply obeying God's word and keeping connected with him relationally. Now for us as Christians, we know that we're saved we're blood-bought and washed. We're clean. In God's eyes, we're seated into this heavenly place with him where he looks at us like we're perfect and without sin. But we also know because we have a tendency in our, because we're living with Christ in, a, in the spiritual realm, but also we live in a natural world and we're dealing with our old nature, that we have to, when we do sin, that we confess our sin and ask for forgiveness. And the Bible says that God cleanses us and washes us from sin. So that's how we can walk in obedience, by walking in this relationship and just confessing our sins when, when we mess up. That keeps us in covenant relationship. Circumcision's significance. 
The act of circumcision was required as a sign of the covenant previously established with Abraham. This was not a new covenant, but an external sign that Abraham and his descendants were now ex- were, were to execute at, to show that they were God's covenant people. The fact that this was performed upon the male reproductive organ had at least a twofold significance. One, the cutting away of the foreskin spoke of the cutting away of fleshly dependence. And two, their hope for the future posterity and prosperity was not to rest upon their own ability. Circumcision was a statement that confidence was being placed in the promises of God and His faithfulness rather than their own flesh. So that that surgery was that sign, but it was to show a dependence upon God and not on themselves. In Romans 2, 28 and 29, Paul the Apostle wrote, One is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outwardly in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter. Circumcision is no longer required like it was under the law. Our salvation is in Jesus Christ, and the circumcision that comes, it comes on the inside. When you accept Christ, there's a spiritual work that goes on. When you go into the waters of baptism, the Bible says that that spiritual work is extended in Colossians uh, 2, 11, and 12. That God does something when you go under the waters of baptism to do some kind of surgery in your heart, uh, uh, separating us from our old nature. Why? So that we can live in an overcoming life by the Spirit of God. Where we once had the strongholds in our life, there's this new stronghold that comes from the Holy Spirit living inside of us to help us obey God and listen to God and do the right thing. In Philippians 3, 3, For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. How many times do we get a promise from God just like Abraham did and he tried to fulfill it with different things? That slave who was in his family, oh God, let Eleazar be my inheritance. God said, no. The one who's going to be your inheritance, one who's going to be your descendant, is going to come from your own body. Then the Ishmael, where he tried to offer that servant girl that he had a child with, let Ishmael be my, my, my son. No, God said, that's a substitute. It's not what I want. It's going to come from your, own, from your own body. It's going to be a miracle because you and Sarah are barren. And just like whatever you're facing today, whatever is defying you, moving on in God or using gifts or growing, it's God saying, I have done a name change in you and it's going to come by my spirit through your life. Circumcision of the heart makes our name change possible. You're a new creation. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul reminds us, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We may have our same name. You know, God changed Sarai's name to Sarah and Abram's name to Abraham. When we accept the Lord, I don't think any of us did a name change. But I tell you, God did something inside of us that took off the limits that our own name had or our own lifestyle or our own sin or whatever it is that was inputted into our life. God took those limits off when we were born again spiritually. Abraham was 99 years old. It had been 24 years since God had promised him to, 
that he would be uh, over a great nation that would come from him. And just like that, your name change is in the process. Your name change is coming. In Revelations 2.17, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one except him who receives it. God's going to give us a new name someday, a new name that's going to represent our total transformation in character, our total transformation in what the Holy Spirit's doing now in our life right here. These are the most important years of our life. If we could get 100 years living on, on earth here, it doesn't compare to all of eternity of a time never ending, being with God. Never again will there be death or sorrow. But God, in his describing what he's going to do in eternity, talks about new heavens and a new earth. I don't think it's going to be boring at all living with God. But what we do here now, learning and taking advantage of a relationship with God, learning to grow in Him, is going to bring benefits to you in eternity. And the more you grow spiritually here, and the more you're attentive and recognize the voice of God and are open to witness what He's saying and begin to use the gifts and things that He puts in you, and begin to exercise the Spirit of God in you and see Him moving, the more confident you are in allowing that potential that is in you through Jesus Christ, that new name, to begin to be expressed in your everyday life. Maybe some of you are here today, you've never made that commitment to Christ. Maybe, maybe this is an opportunity you're getting and you think like, ah, what does it mean? But it's, it's okay if you just said, you know what? If you're real, Jesus, I want to check you out. I, I want to know, reveal yourself to me, Jesus, if this is real. Jesus said to Nicodemus, do you not marvel that I said that you must be born again? The wind blows where it wishes, and you will hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. When you accept Jesus Christ, that's when the name chain begins. I'll never forget just beginning to feel the love of God when I was eight years old, and it was so profound. I, I just felt such strong love coming to me, and it was like a no, love I never felt before. I had a loving parents, and I had sisters, went to church, but God began to draw me to himself. And that decision I made to accept Christ has forever stuck with me, and it just caused me to grow.